You're listening to the Business in Morocco podcast, the podcast that discusses all things business and all things Morocco. My name is Ryan Mimone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Kirk, and our goal is to share our knowledge and experiences in order to help you gain wisdom, skills, and habits that can help you succeed in business and in life. You can learn more about us by going to our website, moroccopodcast.com. All right, let's get started with today's episode. It's going to be a lovely day. Okay, welcome to episode two of the Business in Morocco podcast. Ryan, what's going on? How was your week? Uh, Good week. Good week. I actually have uh, an update from the last episode. Uh, we talked about a young man that I had been communicating with regarding doing some freelance work to help me in my business and help acquire new customers uh, for some of my clients. And the mystery has been revealed. He thought that he could just do what I asked without replying. So he was actually formulating a plan and executing on his plan to become an auto entrepreneur. Okay. He just didn't think he needed to tell me that that's what he was doing. Okay. Uh, So in fairness to him, I sent him an email outlining my expectations for communication. It's always nice to to find people that already have the habits and skills that you appreciate, but it's not fair to hold them to an account for something you haven't talked to them about. So I, I clearly outlined what I expect in terms of communication. I told him, that's great. I'm very happy that you're working on it. All the next time, all you have to do is send me an email saying, I'm working on my plan and I'll get back to you as soon as it's finished. So I was happy to hear that. Uh, the, the auto entrepreneur process takes anywhere from two to six weeks, depending on which institution you submit your application. You can submit them to banks, bank branches that do the the processing of the application. The best results that I've heard of is just to go to the post office and you set up your your bank account at that post office as well and you get your card in about two weeks and you're ready to do business. You don't even have to go to a government office? Like banks and post offices work? They have the they have the files that you need, the documents you need to fill out yeah and you mail it right there to the government from the bank or from the post office and they send that card back to that branch and you go and pick it up and you're ready to go. And does it cost anything? There may be a nominal uh, administration fee, but I know it's not extremely expensive. And are there any kind of qualifying factors? I mean, can you be denied auto entrepreneur status? There are restrictions in terms of the type of business that you're going to do, Mm -hmm. the amount of revenue, that you can have per year. You cannot hire employees. Right. So you need to be an individual. You need to be engaged in approved industries. Yeah. You need to have less revenue than the restrictions. I think that I think it's 200,000, isn't it? For for consulting, I think it's about 200,000 dirhams per year. For sales, it's about 500,000. Oh. So if you're selling goods, they allow you to have a higher level of revenue knowing that you need to buy those goods in order to sell them. I see. But if you're doing a service, theoretically, most of that is profit. 
Yeah. 200,000 restriction. For a lot of uh, young people, especially people who are employed, those caps don't really matter. It would be great success to, to meet those caps. And yeah. um, you could think about starting a formal SARL, S-A-R-L, once you reach those yeah. uh, those caps. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're starting to be, be held back by 200,000 dirhams a year, then it's a good indicator that you've got what it takes to start a full business. Exactly. What about you? What's going on this week? I've got a few opportunities to to do some training within companies. It's interesting what you're saying about just the importance of clarifying communications expectations and not just within the area of communications, but others as well, because one of the training days I'll be involved with, it sounds like it's, it's a new leader that's come into a department. His leadership style is different than his predecessor. And so the team needs to adjust and is, is finding that challenging. And so the company wants there to be kind of a moderated day of bringing these things out on the table and discussing them, helping clarify what, what do I expect from you? What do you expect from me? How can we work well together going forward? So I'm putting together a proposal for that. Yeah, that should be good. That's exciting. All right, let's get to the topic of the day, which is deep work, this idea of being focused, not being distracted, being able to accomplish big tasks. Ryan, you've been reading this book by Cal Newport. What's the main idea and what are you learning? All right, so Cal Newport is is an American professor, a deep thinker. He's written this book that has the subtext, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. And his basic premise is recognizing that in the information age, we have so many things coming at us. With our technological tools, we've got so many notifications, and these can be distractions. And we can busy ourselves all day long, receiving information, sending out information, jumping from task to task, you know, quote unquote multitasking, that it can become very difficult to focus and to concentrate and to do things that are cognitively demanding, things that push us to our capacity intellectually, things that are really challenging, things that require deep thought. And that's going to vary from industry to industry, what that looks like. But you can think about for a student to, to really study, to really just absorb themselves in the material or for someone who needs to examine financial data and they need to look at all the numbers and then do analysis and understand it or someone that needs to communicate something whether that's writing a speech or putting together an article um, putting together a presentation something that is challenging it requires their focus it requires their full concentration that is becoming increasingly valuable because we've gotten good at just producing content we've gotten good at just talking sharing putting out shallow information and people consume it and people have to process that and it can be you can spend your whole day doing that and never really produce anything that's deep never really produce anything that offers value and so cal's premise is that if you can discipline yourself to do deep work the marketplace will reward you for it because it's becoming increasingly valuable and it's becoming increasingly rare cal newport talks about deep work. This is a bit different than what some people would call being in the zone or being in a flow state. And we've got a piece of audio here from Cal. Uh, Let's listen to it now where he talks about the difference between a flow state and deep work. To get better at something, uh, which requires deliberate practice, so to to learn something that's hard and new, uh, that also requires 
unbroken concentration. That also requires deep work. But that state is not pleasant and actually is different than a flow state. Okay, that's a, a very interesting idea from Cal Newport. Ryan, expand on this a little bit, the difference between a flow state and deep work. Yeah, the way I see this connecting is that deep work can be a pathway to the flow state. The, the way I see flow state is that you're operating at the, the limits of your capacity and you're, you're in the zone. It's, but it's easy. It's right? coming easy to you because you've put in the time and you've put in the repetition. But in order to get to that point where you have skills, where you've mastered something, where you are a craftsman, you've got to go through the learning process. And the learning process isn't easy. Otherwise, everybody would do it. Everybody would be a master. Everybody would be a craftsman. But that's not the case. Because most of us, going through the learning process, we don't want to put in the time. We don't want to put in the reps. We don't want to put in the effort. We don't want to do deep work. It's much easier to stay shallow. That's the frustration with, with our modern economy, is that with technology, there's always an easy out. And so as soon as I get to something that's difficult, that I, I'm struggling with, there's a concept I don't understand, or there's something I need to, to figure out, or I need to process, I need to really focus, there's a temptation in me to escape, to, to switch tasks, to go to something that I know I can do, that's simple, that will make me feel good. And so my phone is always at the ready and I can always jump over and do something on the to-do list that ticks a box but isn't really valuable in the long run. Until you, you mentioned this topic of deep work and showed me this book, I honestly hadn't thought a lot about it and it's a big problem for me. I've considered myself to be a multitasker, uh, able to do many things at one time. But what I found is that when I'm trying to learn something new or do something new for my clients, my clients want uh, a new form of advertisement on Facebook or Google or, or Instagram, and I need to learn a new piece of software, or Google puts out an update to AdWords, uh, or the way that you track statistics on websites, and I need to learn these new apps and software. It is very difficult. It is draining, it is tiring, it is frustrating. You're, you're having to learn a whole new language. If you go into Google Analytics or you go into Google AdWords, they're going to be using terms and phrases and tabs and explanations. That's like a whole new language. Yeah. And it is very difficult to learn that kind of stuff. And you can't do it if you're checking your email every five minutes or if you're switching tabs and checking the sports scores or uh, checking WhatsApp mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to be distracted. Cal Newport actually has another great uh, quote about the impact of distractions and let's listen to him now. This notion of attention residue, something I really emphasize in the book, which is every time you switch your attention, it leaves a residue in your brain that takes a while to diminish. And until it diminishes, you're operating at reduced capacity. So once you switch your focus, it's going to take a while of lack of distraction before your brain completely clears out the old residue. Attention residue. If you are in deep work or you are in a mode of concentration and you are distracted, you are interrupted, it can take more than 20 minutes to get back to that state of concentration. Ryan, expand on this topic a little bit. Yeah, I can't remember if this is 
an example that Cal uses in the book, or if this is just a way that I, I've thought of to, to help me understand it. But the illustration that helps me is scuba diving. When somebody wants to descend to 40 meters, 50 meters, they go down slowly. They go down slowly and then they also have to be cautious that they don't go up quickly. And so I can almost imagine that it takes you time to get into the deepest levels of your concentration or to move to complete focus, the limits of your intellectual ability. And then when your phone buzzes or when you answer an email or you, you it's like rushing up to the surface. And then when you want to just reply to that message or check the notification and then think you're going to just jump right back into what you were doing, you need to redescend. And that's the idea for me with attention residue is that I can't just come out of something that I was focusing on, quickly reply to something shallow and then get right back into it. I'm going to have to redescend. And so there's a huge inefficiency there and a huge loss of value. I'm wasting so much time by switching tasks. Better that I can carve out blocks where I say, okay, I'm going under, I'm going down to the depths right now. I'm going to be focused on this. When I feel that urge to escape because it's boring or because it's challenging me, because I'm struggling, I'm not going to rush up to the surface. I'm going to just push through that. And that's what Cal argues is that deep work is a skill. It's something you can learn and, and develop. You can, just like I could train my muscles through, through reps and repetition, I can train my brain to be able to endure and resist those temptations. So there's the, the personal discipline to do it, but also priming my environment. So I can put my phone on airplane mode as it is right now. I can put my phone in another place. I can schedule my appointments. I can go work somewhere where none of my colleagues are going to find me. I can make these choices to, to create the environment where I'm going to be able to, to go deep. This episode is brought to you by London Academy. London Academy Casablanca is a trilingual smart school that provides an enhanced education through the Moroccan and international English language curriculum. Their innovative educational approach based on advanced information technology, sports, critical thinking, together with the international experience of their qualified teachers, enables their students to be prepared for the skills needed in the 21st century. London Academy says, we are the future, and these aren't just words painted on a wall. I've seen their students learning to program, building robots, developing problem-solving skills. There's a definite focus on IT and preparing students to succeed in the information age. London Academy, the first smart school in Morocco where learning is serious fun. Now back to the show. So when we talk about deep work, we heard Cal, he said that it's not a state of flow, it's not a state of ease. It is a state of real work, deep work that will be uncomfortable. It will be difficult. Uh, it will be unpleasant, but it will be productive. From what I've read, most creative people will agree that there is a limit on the amount of time per day that your brain can be in this state before being completely exhausted. It's like working out your muscles, going mm -hmm. to the gym. Mm -hmm. You can only 
do bicep curls for so long before your biceps completely fail. Exactly. And, and your brain is, is the same. When you're in this state and you allow constant distractions, you're actually even further reducing your capacity to have productive work. Let's talk a little bit about why deep work is so important. And you talk about the jobs of tomorrow. Software today, the purpose of software is to replace humans. So when you think about what jobs are available today that humans are doing, but that software can do, they're probably the type of jobs that don't involve creative work. What are your thoughts on this idea, the, the increasing importance of deep work and jobs that are going to be available for humans to do in the future that software will not be able to replace? That's one of Cal's uh, main points is that this skill is becoming increasingly valuable. It's becoming increasingly important. Anything that's simple, anything that's repetitive, anything that doesn't require great amounts of concentration, anyone can do. A short amount of training or you design a software program to, t to take it over. The opportunities for humans is to do things that are cognitively demanding. It's, it's creating things from scratch. It's doing something that no one else can do. It's creating something that doesn't already exist. Things that can be systematized will be done by machines. The other thing that makes deep work so valuable is the speed of change. If you think you can graduate from university in your 20s with a skill or with some knowledge and then just use that skill and use that knowledge for 40 years, those days are long gone. You can go just a few years out of university before a lot of what you learned other than the basic foundational principles, but a lot of the specific applications of those principles will be changed. I mean, think about a topic like, like marketing. If you did a marketing master's in the early 2000s, other than those foundational principles about human psychology, the, the methods of marketing have completely changed. I was teaching a, a business English class and it had a chapter on marketing and the textbook was, I think, 11 years old. And the stuff that these major companies were talking about with marketing was completely irrelevant because of how much had changed in that time regarding social media and the different channels of marketing to the customer. We need to be able to learn quickly. That's a crucial skill in the modern economy and you can't learn things easily. Learning is tough. Learning requires you to rid yourself of distractions and engage your brain and focus. It takes effort. It takes deep work. We talked a little about this last week when we talked about getting hired. Formal education is not sufficient. It's not sufficient to give you the skills you need to get a job, not sufficient to give you the skills you need to do jobs. Partly because a lot of people in academia, they may not have tons of experience in the real world. Their curriculum may be outdated. I remember when I did my MBA in 2015, the curriculum for our marketing course was five or ten years old. We didn't talk about any of the new platforms that were available, any of the new ways to do customer acquisition, which is the point of marketing, is right. to reach new customers and communicate with new customers. We didn't talk about Snapchat. We didn't talk about Instagram. We didn't talk about content marketing. We didn't talk about podcasting. Mm -hmm. We did not talk about YouTube. I think becoming a lifelong learner is absolutely essential and deep work is closely associated with being a lifelong learner, spending portion of every day to learn and develop the habit of doing deep work. When you think about learning a new skill, you know, think about a sport. I'm watching my kids try to learn new sports. We recently got a baseball bat, you know, and these kids have never really had a chance to try to play baseball. 
And so I'm a they have a stick in their hand and I'm throwing them a ball and they need to time it and swing at the exact moment to make contact with the ball and knock it forward. This is something that takes a lot of practice. You know, and my daughter said, oh, I'm not very good at this. And I said, of course you're not good at this. You've just started. Now, there is a little bit of natural talent. You know, God gives some people more athletic ability than others. Some concepts come quicker. Some people are better writers. Some people are better with numbers. So some things come faster for them. But for any of us, we really need to be spending time at the outer edges of our capacities to grow what we're comfortable with and what we're capable of. And that is really, really difficult. So deep work plays into this idea of developing skills, developing habits, being capable of doing something, becoming an expert in mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. I believe it's Malcolm Gladwell who has this idea of the, of the 10,000 hours. Let's, uh, let's listen to uh, a clip here of Malcolm Gladwell talking about this rule of the outliers in the 10,000 hours. There's a principle I talk about in the book called the 10,000 hour rule, which says that in a wide variety of disciplines, from being a good doctor to being uh, a, a, a great golf, golfer, what, it doesn't matter really what it is, it looks like we need to spend 10,000 hours practicing before we get good. Right. So there's never been a great classical music, piece of classical music right. composed by someone who hasn't spent 10,000 hours well, first. Because you write about Mozart, and everybody yeah. talks about Mozart composing as a little kid, but yeah. he didn't really compose anything anybody cared about until, until he, was he was what? 23, at which point he'd been composing for over 10 years. All right, so that was Malcolm Gladwell talking about his rule for 10,000 hours. Ryan, talk a little bit more about this idea of deep work, focused effort, and 10,000 hours to become an expert. So there's a great quote from Richard Branson, basically says something like, when someone gives you an opportunity, say yes, and then figure out how to do it, which is great. It pushes you to stretch yourself, pushes you to go outside your comfort zone, grow your capacity, eventually, as we say, the rubber meets the road and you've said you can deliver something and then you need to figure out how can I deliver this? So you need to sit down and put in the reps. You need to put in the time to learn or to develop this skill or to create some ideas. You need to make some value. And so great, great writers, great mathematicians, great inventors, philosophers, they've structured their day such that they had three to four hours of undistracted, undisturbed, focused time in their deep work. And then the rest of their day was more simple tasks, meetings with people, you know, maybe reading some books, being replenished, going for walks, these kinds of things that just like we said with working out physically, you need to let your muscles rest so that the next day you can you can work them again. So if you want to offer value, you need to become an expert in something. You need to choose a niche focus and then put in the time to develop the skills to gain the knowledge so that you have something to offer so that you have something the market wants and needs what are some practical ways that you found to carve out the time and the space to go deep and learn something new that you didn't know how to do before so what i've learned about myself is that as the day progresses my ability to concentrate and engage in learning or creative work, it decreases as mm -hmm. the day goes on. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do if I know I need to learn something new or do something creative and productive is I intentionally do it at the beginning. I don't, I don't waste my creative 
thinking capacity on responding to emails, on checking WhatsApp, on checking the news. I know that I need to start my day on a given topic. I need to use all of my energy to do that. I put on my big headphones. I'm listening to a variety of things, whether it's your typical elevator music, jazz, cool jazz, smooth jazz. Yeah. I put on my headphones, which cancels out all of the distracting noises that are going around. What about your phone? Tell us about So I've actually turned off all notifications on my phone. When I'm trying to do deep work, I will put my phone on silent. I will not allow it to distract me for any reason. And I will focus on that topic for one or two hours. The way that I try to become an expert and learn things is I Google it. I'm not a big fan of reading long blogs. So I prefer to learn things on YouTube or podcasts. But I found that YouTube is a great resource for learning almost anything. Yeah. And if you type in your question, you can often find somebody who does a fairly good job of explaining what it is you need to know. Yeah. Things that don't take a lot of brain power. Yeah. I'll save those for the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, those are those are some of my best practices. Yeah, that's wise. And that's that's what science has been proving of late is that our willpower, our ability to concentrate, it starts off strong and it goes down throughout the day. Um, that making decisions and concentrating, it, we have a finite amount of it and taking a, a rest, having a good night's sleep, that's a way to reset, recharge. So if you think you're going to do your best work at the end of a, of a challenging, focused day, science just doesn't, doesn't back that up. you got to start first thing. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host, Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes, including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah.